verses of five. Have I no way, Lord? Have I no way? Hold o'er my being, absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit, till all shall see. bow and have a, a further word of prayer. Lord, again we thank you for giving us the wonderful privilege to remember you together. Thank you, Lord, for satisfying our hearts in your love. And now, Lord, when we have this wonderful privilege to read your word together, we turn to you, Lord, and we pray that you would speak to our hearts. We pray for words taught by your Spirit. We pray for Spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we pray, Lord, for hearts that are hearing hearts. That we may receive your word and live by your word. So we entrust the whole time into your hands. We pray, Lord, that you would bless this time. And that in your presence we all may be fed by you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. We want to read some verses from 1 Corinthians. So if you could turn to 1 Corinthians, we are going to start at the very beginning of the epistle. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Sosthen is our brother to the church of God which is at Corinth. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 10. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this. That each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. 
都说一样的话，你们中间也不可分党，只要一心一意彼此相合。因为葛莱士家里的人曾曾对我提起弟兄们来说，你们中间有纷争。我的意思就是说，你们个人说我是属保罗的，我是属亚波罗的，我是属基法的，我是属基督的。Now we want to turn to chapter four. 第四章。And we'll start reading from verse one. Let a man regard us in this manner, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. 人应当以我们为基督的执事，为圣为圣神奥秘事的管家。In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me, it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you. Or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself. Yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me examines me is the Lord. So, ah, so, so, 求与管家的是要他有忠心。我被你们论断，或被别人论断，我都以为呃极小的事。连我自己也不乱断自己。我虽然不觉得自己有错，却也不能因此得以称义。但判断我乃是主，所以时候未到，什么都不要乱断，只等主来。他要造出暗中的隐隐啊隐情，显明人心的意念。那时个人要从神那里得作称赞。Verse five. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will be, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness, and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. Verse six. Verse six. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos. For your sakes, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. 弟兄们，我为你们的缘故，拿这些事转呃转比自己和亚波罗，叫你们效法我们，不可过于圣经所记，免得你们自高自大，呃贵重这个轻看那个。Verse seven. For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? 使你使你与人不同的是谁呢？你有什么不是领受的呢？若是领受的，为何自夸，仿佛不是领受的呢 ？You are already filled. You have already become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings, so that we also might reign with you. 你们已经饱足了，已经丰富了，不用我们自己就做王了。我愿意你们呃呃果真做王，叫我们也得与你们一同做王。And finally, towards the end of the chapter, verses sixteen and seventeen. 然后四章十六节十七节。Therefore, I exhort you. Be imitators of me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church.
所以我求你们效法我，因此我已打发提莫泰到你们那里去。他在主里面是我的，我所亲爱，有忠心的儿子，他必提醒你们，纪念我在基督里怎么样行事，在各处各教会中怎样教导人。so as probably many of you know, we have been meditating for a long time on this matter of fellowship. And I felt a burden to share on this matter from the angle of the context of the verse that is our theme verse. Now And the theme verse that we had for some time now is verse 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 which says God is faithful through whom you were called to the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord and, and as we have been hearing for so long now what a calling is that of, of ours. Uh, I think we need to do a really brief recap before we move on. And as we heard many times, the meaning of this word fellowship, which is our calling, it's simply to share in common. And this is the calling of the Lord to His own, to share everything in common with whom? We are called to share everything in common with none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever meditated on how high and how wonderful is your calling and my calling? God initiated the calling, not me, not you. And He's faithful, thank the Lord. He can make that calling a reality. So that we may share everything in common with His Son, Jesus Christ. And as we saw, our calling has two aspects. We are called out of something. And at the very beginning of the epistle, Paul says, he addresses himself to the church of God at Corinth. And as we, as we saw, the meaning of that word church means simply those who are called out. That is very, very important. That is the first aspect of our calling. We are called out of something and into something else. Verse 9 speaks the into something else, which the new thing we are called into a fellowship. And that fellowship is with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But at the same time, that calling is a calling out of something. And to put it very simply, we are called out of out of this world where we are born. We all used to belong to this world whose ruler is none other than Satan. When the Lord saves you and saves me, He's calling us out of that system that is ruled by Satan. And into a fellowship with the Lord Jesus. So if you want to make it simple, we can think in terms of two fellowships going on here. Before you believed in the Lord, you already belonged to a fellowship. And in that fellowship, you also shared everything in common. But that fellowship was the fellowship of the world. And the commonality there is what we have in Adam. That's the old fellowship, but today we are called into something new. We also mentioned that our fellowship has two dimensions. There is a vertical dimension. We are called to share everything with our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not just our Lord Jesus Christ, it's our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that means that He is your Lord and He is my Lord. So it's not just a vertical fellowship or sharing, but there is also a horizontal sharing. And we need to keep in mind that that's the nature of our fellowship. Now, unfortunately, the Corinthian believers, they did not quite understand the nature of their calling, as we saw. And they were establishing all those divisions around servants of the Lord. And of course those divisions are in themselves a contradiction to our calling. If we are called to share everything in common with the Lord Jesus and therefore with one another, how can we establish divisions and sects? And therefore Paul is devoting the longest section of the whole epistle is devoted to address that problem. From chapter 1 to chapter 4 he's addressing the problem of fellowship in the church of Corinth. And how do we know that those four chapters are indeed just one section? I think it becomes very clear because he keeps repeating that the, the see as the Corinthians were divided around servants of the Lord Paul, Apollos, Cephas Paul through the whole section he keeps bringing those names back so 
Paul, Apollo, Cephas, you'll hear them through the four chapters of 1 Corinthians. And it's very important for us to remember that when we do so, the whole passage becomes just a tremendous revelation on the true nature of what fellowship is. And as we mentioned, the divisions were not the root cause of the problem in Corinth. They were just a symptom, but not the cause. And, and of course, Paul, uh, he's trying to help those believers going directly to what's the cause of the, this big problem. And as we saw, these saints, they have a new calling. They are called into a fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. However, they were still living by the values of the old fellowship. And what are those values? And Paul mentions the wisdom of this age. See, Greeks, they're the ones that in those days would put a lot of emphasis in wisdom, philosophical speculation, and trying to figure out the world and the, the, the things in, in this world. And Jews would emphasize power, science. That's their way of trying to make sense of this world. That's what their, their value is. So And Paul is essentially showing those saints that all, all those values of the old fellowship are foolishness before God. How are they foolishness? Well, two ways. They are ineffective, first of all. Ineffective. See, all that you can devote your whole life to pursue the wisdom of the world. And what does that give you at the end of the day? Can that transform you? Can that give real meaning to your life? You know, the Greeks had at that point, when Paul is writing that, they had many centuries already of a lot of philosophers. And how was the Greek society in those days? Corrupt, decadent, empty. How power? Maybe the, the answer would be like Jews. Well, we need to figure, we need to power and science. So, 
But unfortunately, they were seeking just external manifestations of power. 但是他们所寻找的就是这个外面所表现出来的能力。And actually, the Lord Jesus talking to Jews, he said to them, "But if you commit sin, you're a slave to sin." 所以，但是主对他们说，你们如果犯罪，你们就是罪的奴隶。If all you have is an external power that delivers you from Rome, and you're still in bondage to sin, what kind of power is that? So, 虽然也许你们在外面能够从罗马的这个权柄得救，但是呢，你们还是犯罪的，这有什么意义呢 ？But then Paul shows those believers where is true wisdom. 所以保罗在这个时候就给他们看什么是真实的智慧。Do you want to know what is true wisdom? 你们要知道什么是真实的智慧吗 ？You belong to God in Christ Jesus. 你是借着基督耶稣属于神的。God had placed you in Christ Jesus, and He became unto us wisdom. 所以神就把你放在基督耶稣里，他就成为我们的这个神，在就成成为呃。在我们里面的智慧。But what is that wisdom? 这个智慧到底是什么呢 ？Righteousness, sanctification, redemption. 公义、称义的的的的救赎。The wisdom of the world are beautiful thoughts, beautiful words, and that's it. 世世上的智慧是非常美妙的一些话，但是只不如只不只不过如此。But the wisdom of God that comes through Christ and Christ crucified. Has the power to justify you, to forgive you, to sanctify you, to transform you, to redeem you, to eventually one day even conform you to His glorious body. I'm sorry. So, 但是神的智慧呢，它就能够在你里面，让你能够称义，能够得到救赎，能够呃成圣，有一天的荣耀。Well, but I hope that we can see the connection here. Why is Paul talking about all those things when he's dealing with fellowship, with the problem of fellowship? 那为什么保罗会提到这许多？当他说到交通这件事情呢 ？I hope that we can, and that's the reason. I know that I'm, 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 I have a very short time, and here I am going through a number of points that I already shared. <laughs> 那我虽然时间很短，我已经还在重复我们我上次讲的。I hope that we see that everything that he's dealing in these four chapters. At the end of the day, are related to fellowship. 但是我希望大家所看见的说，在这四章里面，它最后的目的就是要讲到交通。In other words, what is the substance of our fellowship? 所以我们交通的这个呃内容是什么呢 ？We are sharing everything in common with the Lord Jesus. But what exactly are we sharing? What are those things in common? 我们与基督是共有许多事情。那这些事情到底是什么呢？ Christ Himself. 其实就是基督他自己。Not just the things of Christ. No, no. 不只是这个属于基督的一些事。It's Christ that has become unto us wisdom, which is righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You see that. 所以基督就成为我们的智慧，就是公义，就是成圣等等。That is our glorious calling to share the person of Christ. 这就是我们荣耀的呼召，就是我们能够这个共有这基督这个人本身。And of course, we mentioned that this fellowship has a scope, right? It's not just the substance that is Christ, but there is a scope here. 所以这个交通它也有它的这个呃它的一定的一些界限。The cross of Christ 
is like a boundary. So, the old fellowship is left in one side of that boundary. So, to put it in other words, the old fellowship is in the death side of the cross. So, on the resurrection side of the cross, we have this new fellowship with our Lord Jesus. And you see that Paul is trying to tell them by his own example, he said, I decided to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's like Paul is telling the Corinthian believers, see, I understand that when the Lord Jesus died, He declared that everything that belongs to the old fellowship is nothing. They have no value. And the problem of those believers at the end of the day is that they are trying to take the stuff from the old fellowship they are trying to take that into the new fellowship. So they are not recognizing that there is a boundary. And all the trouble you can trace back to that point. Well, this fellowship has this, the substance is Christ. There is a boundary which is defined by His cross, but there is also the experience of this fellowship. How can we experience this fellowship? Would it be very tragic? I think you're going to agree with me. If you have this wonderful high calling, but if you can never enter into your calling, wouldn't that be sad? But in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is devoting that chapter essentially to tell you how can you experience the fellowship. We have not received the spirit of the world but the spirit that comes from God, that we may know or experience everything that God freely has given us. See, when the Lord saved you and me, He made all the provision. He gave His Holy Spirit that we may enter experience this fellowship. And very briefly, let's just mention two more things. There is a hindrance to this fellowship. What is the hindrance? Chapter 3, Paul says, I could not talk to you as spirituals but as fleshly, as carnal. What is a carnal believer? 
Well, one that definitely has the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, you do have it. 当你得救了, but you're still living by your old man. You were called into the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're living by the values of the old fellowship. That's a problem with the Corinthian believers. And finally, Paul say, speaks of consequences of living according to our calling or not living according to our calling. You remember that the end of chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, he said that he laid a foundation. And that foundation is none other but the Lord, but the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like he's saying, when I preach the gospel to you, I was laying a foundation. But now, each man, meaning each one of us, we are building on, the, on top of that foundation. And there are two ways of building. You can build with gold, silver, or precious stones, valuable material. So, or you can build with wood and hay and straw something that has absolutely no value but whatever we are building one day it will be revealed in the presence of the Lord the imagery in the chapter is that whatever we are building will go through fire. And you know that if you make gold and silver and precious stones go through fire, they will shine. They will, it will be revealed the beauty of that material. But if you make, if you pass wood and hay and straw through fire, you know that that is going to be destroyed very, very soon. When we live by the Spirit, when we live in the good of our calling, we are building with precious material. When we live by the flesh, when we live by the old fellowship, but the values of the world we are building with is just wood, straw, and hay. And today we want to go a step further. So, uh, as you noticed, last, in last message, we didn't even mention chapter 4. But chapter 4 is the last chapter of this section. And definitely, Paul is still dealing with the matter of fellowship in chapter What is the aspect of fellowship that becomes evident when we when we consider chapter 4 well in chapter 4 essentially you see Paul in sharp contrast 
to the Corinthian believers. So you can see Paul in the fourth chapter made a very big contrast. See, it's not that Paul is trying to draw attention on himself, but he's just explaining how he lives, and very naturally, what he is, you know, cannot be hidden. So Paul is not trying to draw attention on himself, but he's just explaining how he lives. There are several things in this chapter four of First Corinthians that reveal what kind of man Paul was. So, in Corinthians chapter four, in this chapter, you can see this man. And as you see those things, you can see the picture of a man that is living in the good of his calling. So, you can see this man. You see the picture of a man that is living in the man that is living in the reality. So this person, he lives in this reality. You see that there is a way to fellowship. So you can see Paul in this life. So you can see that actually there is a way. Actually, I want to reread the the last verse that we read, which is chapter four. I want to read from the last verse, which is chapter four, and verse eight. Verse eight. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ Jesus. So, here it is mentioned that, uh, uh, therefore, I have sent Timothy to you, so that he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ Jesus. When you consider Paul's life, you can discern very clearly that there is a way. He's living in such a way, and that way reveals the good. Someone that is living in the good of fellowship. So, he lives in this way. He is living in this way. He is living in this way. He is living in this way. And in verse 16, there is another thought that is very important for us. In verse 16, there is another thought that is very important for us. He says, "Therefore, verse 16, therefore I exhort you, 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 exhort Personally, no. This is something for us to imitate. So, this Paul, this kind of life, is not just for himself, but for us too. And of course, please don't don't forget this chapter is still dealing with fellowship. So, don't forget this chapter is still dealing with fellowship. So, don't forget this chapter is still dealing with fellowship. So, don't forget this chapter is still dealing with fellowship. What is this example that we can see in Paul's life that we are to imitate? So we have to see in Paul's life that we are to imitate. So we have to see in Paul's life that we are to imitate. So we have to see in Paul's life that we are to imitate. 
thoughts or a couple of characteristics. So the first thing I want to go back to verse 1. Let's reread verse 1. And he says, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ. And here you have the first characteristic of someone living in the good of fellowship. He is a servant of Christ. No, I want to remind you something. Our definition of fellowship, what is that? Is to share everything in common, right? Well, but this everything means that you share all the privileges of fellowship. You're sharing the privileges of the companionship with the Lord. Thank the Lord for that. But we also share in the responsibility of this fellowship. See, when that's the definition of the word. If you say that we are sharing everything, you cannot say, well, that's just the privilege part. No, both privileges and responsibilities. And here have Paul stating in a very clear way, man should regard us as servants of Christ. Uh, that word servant is a very interesting word. I think some of you were in a conference recently when our brother Stephen Kahn mentioned this word and the, ori- and the meaning in the original. For those of you that heard it, I will refresh your memory. For those of you that haven't, okay, let, here we go. This word servant is a special word in Greek and it means uh, literally translated is under rower. Under rower. Okay, okay. Oh, that's right. And which is a kind of funny thing. What rower? You know, like Well, that's a picture from something that very common in that day. In those days, uh, the, a, a big ship, it would uh, the, it didn't have any any motor or any uh, anything to push it. There were people down in the basement of the ship or in the lower part of the ship that they were rowing. And that's the word that Paul uses to describe himself and his service unto the Lord Jesus. He says, I am an under rower of the Lord. So people that perform that kind of service 
they were of a very low status in society. They had no privileges at all. They had no union saying, okay, three hours of rowing and then a break. No, very, very low status. Actually, as you can imagine, it's a very menial task. A very low, low task. Only slaves would perform that kind of task. And here is the great apostle saying, I am an under rower of the Lord Jesus. See, brothers and sisters, I feel that we have a wonderful picture of what fellowship is here. Fellowship includes that we share in the responsibility of serving the Lord. And that means that we share on the burden of service. Sometimes we wish we could just do, you know, stuff that we really like to do and uh, you know, it's very very nice kind of work, etc. But here you have Paul comparing himself to an under rower. Someone that is doing stuff that nobody else will do, but he's doing. And I cannot help but feel that we have something very practical, even when we think in our own day to day as as a fellowship here. We all love to be together and to be in a place that is clean, right? But are we ready to share the burden of cleaning the restroom? We all love to enjoy a delicious meal downstairs together. But are we willing to share in that responsibility and burden to prepare it or to That's a characteristic of a true a man that is living in the reality of fellowship. I think there is another aspect that is very important in this picture. As you can imagine, an under rower is not a single man's task. Those were huge ships, right? So you needed like an army of people rowing. And for this task to be performed in a in a in a good way. It's something that will only happen if there is coordination. So the the, the under rowers would be in the lowest part of the ship, shoulder by shoulder, together, rowing together in coordination. 
在那里面就是并排着，然后要非常协调的滑。And as you probably saw in some movie or something, there would be somebody uh, at the front of the pack with a drum. And as he as he hits the drum, boom, people will roll at the sound of that drum. See, even if you were a great rower, you could never say, All right, I'm going to roll in my own pace. Actually, one time I went with my wife and doing some rowing in the park, you know. And then each one would be, would be rowing at its own pace, and the boat would go like this. You know? <laughs> For this to work, we need to do it under coordination. And Paul already gives you the secret here. I am an under rower of Christ. He is the head. He provides the coordination. So he is the head. He provides the coordination. He has probably Apollos in mind as in the first instance. This is definitely something that applies to every child of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, are we shoulder by shoulder with one another, serving together under the coordination of our Lord? Then you have a second aspect. In verse 1 he says, and we are stewards of the mysteries of God. Here is a second aspect of this reality of fellowship. A steward, to put it in very simple words, is, uh, would be a housekeeper. Alright, let's see how we can explain this. Like, in those days you would have those uh, some masters that would have huge properties and a lot of people living in that property in those houses. And all those people that were either slaves or workers living in that property, they would need to be supplied. So the owner of the place or the master of that household would appoint a person to be a, a steward or a housekeeper. And that person would be responsible for the stores in that property. The steward is like an administrator. 
事物的人。He manages the supplies in that big household. 所以他就在那边管说进出的这一些买卖买的东西要怎么样去安排。And he is responsible for supplying the various people working there. With the with the things from that store. 然后这管家他也从这个仓库里能够供应这些仆人奴隶们。Brothers and sisters, don't we have here another beautiful picture of what fellowship is? 我们是不是在这边有另一个美妙这个关乎交通美妙的图画呢 ？Peter says that each one of us we ought to be good stewards of the grace of God. 所以保彼得说，我们都应当是。This is not just for a few Christians. No, every Christian has been given some share in that heavenly store, so to speak. So, not just some Christians, all Christians must participate in this store. And that grace that was given to you and me is not just for your own sake; is to be is to be used supplying others. So, this grace. 所供给你的不是为了你自己，而是你怎么样去借着这个来去服侍别人。And this is another picture of our fellowship in the Lord. 这就再一次给我们看见我们在主主里的交通是什么。Which brings us to another point, which is very important. 我们就来到另一点。In verse two, Paul says, "What's the important thing with the steward?" 所以第二节他说，对一个仆人什么是重要的呢？ He says, in this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. So, here, what is required of stewards is that one be found trustworthy. So, here, what is required So when the master of the household appointed someone as a steward, the、uh, the basic、uh, requirement is that that person is trustworthy. So, this steward finds this steward is that this brothers and sisters is the essential nature in our fellowship. As we receive everything from the Lord, what is required of us? Faithfulness. So. 主当他把这一切都赐给我们的，我们应当做什么呢？就是忠心。Our calling is tremendous to share everything with the Lord Jesus. 我们的呼召是何等的大，何等伟大，就是我们能与主耶稣基督共有一切。But as you receive all those riches in the Lord, it's not just for you and for me. 所以当你接受这所有的这些丰富的时候，你知道这个不只是为着我们的。We are responsible. To supply our brothers and sisters with the measure that was given to us. 我们有责任跟其他弟兄姊妹分享主所给我们的。Are we being faithful to the Lord? 我们对主忠心吗 ？And something that is beautiful is wonderful to see in Paul's life. 所以我们看见在保罗的生活里也是如此。Is that he has this? He lives in the consciousness of his responsibility towards his Lord. 他总是活在那个知道他。So as you know, because of the divisions in the church, Paul was being was,、uh, let's put it, he was under some sort of fire. So, because of these these their divisions, Paul was being was probably a group of people in the church that were really didn't appreciate Paul. So, maybe in the church there were some who didn't appreciate Paul. 
Who knows exactly what was that? 不知道为什么。Maybe some were saying, "Well, Paul is not deep enough, not philosophical enough, like Apollos." 所以也许保罗不够这个呃讲的神学哲学不够多，就像亚波罗一样。Or probably some others were saying, "Well, he Paul is probably not or authentic enough, like Peter. Right? He is the authentic. He was one of the twelve." 所以他也不不够这个呃非常的这个呃真实，就像彼得一样。And Paul is under fire; is being judged by these people. So Paul, 好像这呃就是这些人就在那边评断保罗 What is his reaction? 他的反应是什么呢 Does he become bitter with that? 他有变得非常有苦读吗 Listen to verse three again. 去看第三节 But to me, it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself. Yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. 我被你们论断或被别人论断，我都以为极小的事，连我自己也不论断自己。我虽然不觉得自己有错，却也不能因此得以称义。但判断我的乃是主。This is stewardship. 这就是做管家。You are responsible to the Lord. 你对主有责任。You're going to answer to the Lord. Yes, you're going to be serving your brothers and sisters. But at the end of the day, Paul is living with a consciousness: I must please the Lord. So, when 服侍弟兄姊妹，但是他有这个观念，就是他必须啊侍奉神。This is a wonderful thing to see in Paul's life. Whether you look in Acts, whether you look in his epistles, many, many times you'll see the same principle. 所以你不论是看到这个《使徒行传》或者其他的这个呃书书信 ，He lives in the consciousness of his responsibility just to his Lord. 他总是觉得他对主有那个责任。I think that brings us to another very important point in the matter of fellowship. 所以我们就来到另一点非常重要的。Verse five says, "Therefore, do not go on, on passing judgment before the time." 所以时候未到，什么都不要论断，只等主来。So again, Paul himself is the one being judged here by many in that in that assembly. 所以保罗被许多人论断。And what is he? What is his conclusion? 但是他的结论是什么呢 ？He says, "Do not judge." 他说不要论断。And actually, brothers and sisters, I I feel that few things can damage fellowship as much as this point right here. 所以我觉得。呃，这个最能够将这个交通呃破坏的是，就是这一点。It's something very practical， 就是非常实际的。And I feel it's something that finds us very often。但是我觉得我们常常这样做。Whenever there is a, a judgmental spirit that develops among us， what a damage to fellowship。当我们中间有这个论断的这个灵的时候，这就对交通产生极大的破坏。Listen to Paul。Do not pass judgment. So, 听保罗说不要论断人 Actually, you know,、uh, just to try to make this very practical, let's let's think of in a, in a silly example. 非常实际的话，比如我们做做一个比喻 Let's say that one day you're walking in the in in the hall. 所以，假如说你这个走在这个呃走廊 And you cross with another brother or sister. 就看见另外一个弟兄或姊妹 And then you smile and nod, you know, very sweetly. 
所以你就是点头，然后笑一笑。And the person doesn't even look at you, you know. How do we usually feel when that happens to us? What is our tendency? You know, our human nature always tends to see something negative, to read something negative into into the event. So I feel like it's, we are tempted to say, hmm, see, this brother is so cardinal, he's so unloving. How come I'm not so sweetly and he doesn't even look at me? But here Paul gives you a very, very specific reason why we shouldn't judge. He says, do not judge before the time. Because there will be a time of judgment, but that time is the Lord's time. See, he says, but wait until the Lord comes. Who will both bring the, to light the things hidden in the darkness. And he will disclose the motives of man's heart. In other words, Paul is saying, do not judge. You know why? Because you, you cannot read the motives in the heart of your brother and your sister. When the brother didn't nod to you back, you think that he's so unlovely and so carnal, but maybe he just has a big headache. Or he didn't slap the whole night because of whatever reason. Or he has this big problem upon his shoulders and he's not functioning in his normal self. The fact is that we are so quick in the trigger to attach motives to people on things that we have no idea what is the real thing that is happening. How much damage we cause to the fellowship of the Lord Jesus with that attitude. Actually, I cannot help but think that most of the problems among us are just very small, avoidable misunderstandings. Just because we want to do something that is only our Lord's prerogative. He is the judge. Leave it with him. Well, I really this is a huge topic in the Bible. I, I I think I don't have to enter there. I can't we don't have the time. But just for completeness sake, we should mention that there are times in the Bible where the Lord, that is the judge, 
will delegate some in the church with the authority to do judgment. So just for instance, when you turn the page, you will see what is Paul contradicting himself? You look at chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 12. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? This is a rhetorical question that that demands an affirmative answer. You must judge those that are inside the church. But if you read the context, here you have when something is very clearly sinful, very clearly evil against the word of God, then the church must judge. But never on the small little things that happen on our day to day when someone does not nod to me, etc. etc. I'll just leave it there for just for your reference on this matter. But the emphasis here in this chapter is do not try to replace the Lord. He is the only one that can judge, that knows what is in the heart of man. Leave it with him. I want to read verse 6. He says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes, so that in us, in other translations, by our example, you may learn not to exceed what is written. So here you have one of those many instances in these four chapters when he brings up again himself and Apollos. Therefore he's dealing with that problem that he mentioned in chapter 1, right? But I just want to mention two very wonderful things about the way he mentions his brother Apollos. I think there is something very precious that is revealed about Christ in Paul when he mentions Apollos here. If you study carefully the book of Acts, you will see that Apollos is someone that enters the scene much later than Paul. Uh, I don't know exactly how many years, but after Paul preached the gospel and, and, and the Lord started that church at Corinth, some years after that, Apollos comes into the scene. And actually, we also can see that Apollos was a very eloquent man for the Lord. However, his vision was somehow limited when you read 
但是你读关于他的时候，你就看他意向是有限的. He like sort of knew about the, bap- the, the baptism of John, but he wasn't exactly clear on the whole truth of the gospel. 所以他虽然认识施洗约翰的这个洗，但是他不完全彻彻透这个这个福音。And somehow he was helped by by Aquila and Priscilla. And then he started serving in Corinth. So he got the Bible and Jeremiah's help. He started in Corinth. But here's what I want to call your attention to. If Paul were to think with the old mentality, with the mentality from the world in the old fellowship, he could very easily become a territorial person. So Paul, if he were to look at the old life. 看这件事情的话，他可以变得非常这个呃呃呃，就是非常呃呃保护他自己的这个地盘。He could have said, "This is my field. You know, I preach the gospel in this place, so I should have some precedence in this place." 他说，我现在这边讲到的，说我应该在这个在哥林多教会，我是应该是算。Think of that. The Lord used Paul in such a mighty way to start the church there. But you see, when you when when and when people started to divide, and some people were preferring Apollos over Paul. So when they started to divide, and some people were you need to draw attention to yourself and try to use your influence and maneuver and, and, and you know to, to make yourself be seen by people in a nice life. So you what is Paul doing here? He's just commanding Apollos as a precious brother. Actually, at the end of the epistle, we are not reading just to save some time. Paul says in chapter 16, he says, You know, I, I am recommending Apollos to go and to, to be with you. Rather than being just territorial and saying, "This is my assembly. This is something that I started," he just commands that brother to the saints at Corinth. What a wonderful example of the true spirit of Christ and of fellowship. So this is Paul could have very well insisted in seniority issues. He was way more senior than Apollos in any sense. And here he is, just treating Apollos like a brother that and, and, and encouraging Apollos to continue to serve. This is an example to be imitated, brothers and sisters. This is not just a matter for our curiosity or it's just studying Paul's personality. As he says, be my imitators. 
I feel that the Holy Spirit is saying we should imitate that example. So, when we reach verse 7, there is yet another aspect of this fellowship that becomes evident. And this becomes evident from the negative angle. Yet there is a very precious lesson for us to learn. Paul asks, he has in mind a rhetorical Corinthian, and he, he imagines that he's having like a debate with this Corinthian brother. And he asks a, he's asking a question to this this uh, uh, hypothetical person. He says, For who regards you as superior? He says, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? And Paul here is going right to the root of the sectarian spirit problem. Whenever we divide, whenever there is a sectarian spirit in our midst, at the end of the day, why do you have a group or a division? Because somehow you feel, I have something that is better than the rest. I have seen something special that my brother and sister cannot see. Well, Paul is not disputing that actually. That, that may be very well the case. But you see what Paul is saying here. You say, okay. But but tell me this. What what do you have received? What what do you have that you have not received? You may have something. You may have a clear vision of the Lord or something that other brothers have not seen. But is this is, is this something that originated in you? Of course the answer is no. And he says and if you have received it, why are you kind of boasting as, as if you as if the thing had originated on you? I think that this is a a very important cure to the problem of a sectarian spirit. So what is revealed in this verse is that behind our sectarian spirit, our divisions, there is a lack of understanding, of real apprehension, and, and real valuing of the grace of the Lord. Whenever you say, yes, I have something special, and I, I, I'm entitled to have my division. Immediately we lost sight of who we really are. Who are we? Aren't we sinners? 
saved by tremendous grace. Do we have something valuable? Are we here because we had some special revelation that originated in us? Behind those divisions at Corinth, there was a lack of vision of the grace of the Lord. And Paul goes right to the point. And in verse 8, he says something that is even more striking. He says, You are already filled. You have already become rich. You have become kings without us. How are the Corinthians becoming kings? And of course, Paul is being ironic here. How come? How, how is, what, what is the point of, of why is he bringing up that? Well, whenever you create a division, whenever you create a sect, you're declaring your self-importance. Implicitly, you're saying, I am better than the others. And you establish your little kingdom, you see? That is a division, that is a sect. And I think we should mention something important here. Uh, we need to distinguish between the actual action of dividing and the spirit of division. It's like the Sermon on the Mount. It's the same principle. You remember, in the Sermon on the Mount, you don't need to kill someone to actually have committed murder in the sight of God. You don't need to actually have committed adultery. Just the sight, just the intention in your heart is something that the Lord takes notice. And when it comes to divisions and sectarian spirit, the same principle is afraid. You don't need to have your, your little division and ask people around and say, Hey, are you with me? Are you in my part? Oh, good, good. How about you? No, I don't want to have anything with you. You, you don't need to go that far. 就是大家都不说,你是属我這一派的嗎?如果不屬於我這一派,我就不要跟你交通。Whenever we cannot walk together with our brothers and sisters, there is the seed of division already there。當我們沒有辦法就是跟弟兄姊妹這個一起往前去的時候,我們那邊就有分裂的靈。And when we do so, it's like I am rain. I am declaring in my heart how important I am. I have something that you don't have. And Paul goes ahead and he says, uh, I wish you really were reigning so I, we could reign with you. It's actually an amazing statement. Because there are many things going on. There is very there there is true irony going on and, and even a, a bit of sarcasm behind those words. Holy sarcasm. 
but I feel that there is something deeper here it's like Paul is saying you guys you think that you're reigning right that you're so important when you establish your division I wish you really knew what is the meaning of reigning you want to know what is reigning look at the cross what is the inscription at the top of the cross Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews and as as someone has said very rightly nowhere else you see the true nature of reigning like on the cross of course, the world look at, looks at the cross and they say, this is foolish, this is nothing. The world says, this is weakness. But God says, this is the king. And this is the spirit of our king. He lays down his life, even for enemies. Now, if you have the chance to read at home the verses that follow, please do so. Because here you have a wonderful picture into the heart of Paul. From verses 9 through 13, you have the picture of someone that is walking in the spirit of his king. And he says, And we toil, working with our hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. And this is the spirit of our king. Paul is walking in the spirit of his king. This is to reign with Christ. And Paul tells those believers, I wish you really knew what is the meaning of reigning with Christ. And I want to end reading verse 14. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. See how Paul deals with those that are rejecting him? Who are them to him? My beloved children. The ones that I love. That is the spirit of fellowship. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord help us to consider this example. To be imitators of this example. To walk in these ways, which is the way of fellowship.
if any, let's open the time for two or three prayers. Not the discernment, the understanding, the compassion, the bowels of mercy, like you do. And we ought to wait until that day when you return. We ask in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for the words uh, of Paul and for his example. We thank you for these words that uh, open up to us how immense it is that you share fellowship with yourself, that you share your, yourself with us, and we have the life of Christ in common. We pray that we can live in the good of, of what you give. We pray that we can be aware of of division in our hearts and pride that take away from you. We pray that we can go on this journey together in the goodness of, of, your, of this fellowship, this life you've given. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the richness of, of this letter that Paul wrote. And we pray, Lord, that we uh, can benefit fully from what all that you've uh, shown us. As we, as we walk with you. We thank you for the life given and for the Holy Spirit given to enable us to walk with you and in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.